Yeah, I can't believe this is your debut. We'll do a proper debut, oh, like a proper full okay. episode. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Um, Both our debuts. <laughs> exactly, two debuts. Okay, well, should we get? Let's just get cracking then. Yay! In that case, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Kaya Cast. Today, I am joined with Gina. Uh, I'm Brad, and then we have two guests today. Um, although Jono is is serving as uh, Shave Durant for the day, um, and our our guest that we organized the episode around today is the wonderful Munga K. Hello. Welcome to the Kaya cast. Thank you for being Hi. here. Um, <laughs> let's kick it off. I, I, I like the, the format of how would you like to be introduced? If, if you had to be, if you had to write your, you know, an MC introducing you as, as an artist, as a person, yeah. in, how would you like to be introduced? Who, who do you think you are? I am many things, an artist, a writer, a doula in training, a um, creative director, a very sexy man, um, and just, just the facts. just the, a human personification <laughs> of love. Beautiful. Man. Well, that was beautiful, and that's why I like getting people to introduce themselves. Um, we were all at Rocking the Daisies this past weekend, um, and for all of us, it was the first time watching you live. Uh, I think we've all listened to your music in in... Uh, in the past, but it was the first time watching you live. And I think I'm going to speak for all of us because we had uh, ex extensive conversation about it on the weekend. Your set was hands down our favorite performance <laughs> of the weekend, <laughs> like yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. So thank you for blessing uh. us with that. We were so lucky to be at the very front. It was this incredible <laughs> musical experience yeah. for all of us. Um, yeah. And... And after that, I, I just had to reach out and Absolutely. say, let's let's talk about that. And I think there's so many things you touch on in your songs, in your performance, in what you talked about that, you know, yeah, I just, I, I, I want more and more people to know about you as an artist, as a performer, and as a person yeah. beyond that. And yeah. Let's let's get let's into do it. it. Thank I'm you very, so much for the platform. Appreciate it. Thank I you. just want to say that the photos circulating on Rocking the <laughs> Rocking the Daisies Instagram of Brad, John, and, and Chris, the three of them at the front of your set. I'd like to say my hat <laughs> is in the corner, <laughs> and I am so scared that they didn't use a wider angle lens. Oh, okay. <laughs> my goodness, we, we squealed. We we <laughs> oh, Gina, Gina was legitimately upset. We it's just like, got very back grumpy. home oh, no. from our drive from Rocking the Daisies, and, and then one of our friends was like guys you're in a photo like at munga's set and i was like oh my gosh let me see oh, and no. i wasn't in i just left oh no and i saw that through through jano's mm. that's the first time that i saw it that's cool she, walked, she, that. just, she just walked away she gotta like, write no. a strongly worded email to the photographer yeah. whoever they are <laughs> i mean yeah your your set was for for those who didn't see it, for those who weren't at Daisy's, you, I mean, you missed out. Shame, unlucky. <laughs> Cuck one for you. Um, for me, like viscerally, the visual, your band was spectacular. Um, the the flow of the show, everything was just mm. absolutely world class. I actually bumped into Mike yesterday. Yes, um, one of my best. Skated years. past the cafe, and I was like, "Hey, Mike." Um, and we were just uh, talking about daisies, and obviously he performed uh, a verse in your fat. set as well, PH Fat, um, which was <laughs> which no was knows who the random mic which is. was amazing, <laughs> Shampoo, um, which was amazing, and and he or we were chatting about your set as well, and he was just like, wasn't it just like absolutely exactly. world class? Aww. And yeah, I mean, I can only agree with that, and when it's verified by by someone like Mr. PH Fat himself, it's 
you know, yeah, it was this incredible visceral experience of, um, yeah, love came across so, so deeply and yeah. expression and realness and yeah. positivity. Um, what, what is the core thing that you want people to take away from your music and, and hearing your, your songs? It's just to know that their voices are amplified and that they will always have a safe home with me because, um, and I say this very n not to gain sympathy or whatever, because, you know, I've grown and I've evolved and I've, I'm healing. Mm. Um, I didn't really have much representation growing up and there weren't a lot of safe spaces or, or, you know, artists or creatives that I could relate with or resonate mm. with. And so I realized a couple of years ago that I guess my purpose is to be that representation and to allow, you know, and to foster an environment for, for safety and for freedom and expression. And that's what I want all my shows to be. Or even if you see me, you know, in person, I just want you to know that, you know, I see you, you're validated, you're loved, you exist and you're important because, you know, it's just good to be reminded of that. And my mom definitely reminded me of that a lot. But, you know, there's only so much parenting uh, that can be done to, you know, make you feel fulfilled and, and, and alive. And I had to find that myself through very traumatic ways. But, you know, I'm here to keep living and keep breathing and making sure that other folks don't have to go through that. Amen to that. <coughs> Excuse me, the Brooks, still, the we're Brooks we're was... still hoarse from... Well, I'm yeah. still hoarse from Daisy. Yeah. All the screaming. Yeah, yeah <laughs> my voice is fully still recovering. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's such a beautiful sentiment and comes across so so beautifully through your music. Definitely. I mean, like as somebody, I don't know all of your music, um, but it didn't matter. Like the connection, the energy was there. Absolutely. Like I had the best time. Yeah. The best time. It was I'm also, glad. it was one of those sets where it just never stopped. Yeah. <laughs> like, John, I'll pull no... your mic closer. Thanks, bud. <laughs> there was... <laughs> Why is it? Oh, it's the wall wall. Yeah. I'll fix it in a second. You continue, John. This Jonah. is a lesson in posture. There was just no break. The song would finish and it would be like longer than the original song and there would be this whole instrumental thing. Yeah. Then it would technically be the end of the song, yeah. but the drum's still going, the bass is still going. Exactly. Then you say something dope. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, what's, you know what's weird is like, I mean, firstly, I love sequencing. Sequencing is very important to me. I think having a cohesive, well, looking at how I create music, having a cohesive body of work is so important. You want the songs to flow into each other. Mm. So and as and that with performances as well. I grew up on concert DVDs, so you know I watched a lot of Janet Jackson, a lot mm. of um, Destiny's Child, Usher, and all of that. So that idea of just performance and 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 commitment to performance was mm. instilled in me for a very young age. So um, I'm really grateful that I have a band that gets that, and we all just love each other and have so much synergy. I mean, the fact that like. Someone pointed this out, the fact that, like, I didn't look at them or gave them instructions mm. on what to do. We just mm. felt it. Mm. And that's what it's all about. It's about feeling. And, and, and I won't lie, we've had, we had multiple rehearsals, but we never had, a, like, a, a sequence rehearsal. So that performance, so literally, <laughs> no, no, so literally, so that performance, and and the thing is, you know, the guys are gonna watch this and be like, yeah, we're we're gonna get annoyed again because I kept telling them, can we rehearse the whole forty-five minute set? And they were like, no, we have to fix this one song or this one song. So. The performance, actual performance itself, mm -hmm. was the first time we did the That's entire crazy. set no, in no. one go. Ways that is ridiculous. I have no idea. I think it was just sometimes those moments just happen, you know. <laughs> and so I'm grateful because I was I won't, I won't lie. I was freaking out before going on stage. I was like, guys, we've never done a full run through. 
of the set how is it gonna <laughs> go down and even the talking in between because i don't rehearse that mm. you know it's just i'm and to, to my own detriment most times because i talk a lot and so um i didn't that was purely non-scripted i was just talking from my chest and hope and i'm glad that i didn't offend anyone <laughs> i was telling all my friends we were watching it and i was like see this guy's so professional it's so scripted but it's so well done <laughs> no, like it's, all. Everything is yeah, we were talking about it it was like we were like it flows so well but it doesn't come across as rehearsed yeah, it's like so not at all not because my band also sometimes i say the weirdest things and they just look at me they're like on stage they'll be like yeah. why, why like the, the like the and one that came out wrong the, like, the one point where i was like yo if you're an lgbt come on up like that was just from my head, I just looked at the beautiful people out in the audience and I was like, let me shoot my shot. I'm on stage. Why yeah. not? This yeah. is, this is life tender for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is life tender for me. Let's do it, you know? Well, let's work well. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I love that. And I mean, that's that's what I hope to take in, in future, especially, in, you know, 2023 is looking like touring um, Europe Ooh. and the UK. Oh, and so I'm very excited about that. Um, and, you know, just doing more festivals. Mm. This was basically... Um, kind of, I won't say the last performance that I'm, I'm doing an essay, but kind of like mm -hmm. the chapter is closing and I am, you know, moving on the to, on to Saturday. other journeys. Yeah. Well, like, oh, just. well, uh, <laughs> you just, you just broken some hearts. I know, so I, know, I, know. <laughs> I know, I know. I've been having, and I've been having this conversation, you know, with, with, you know, personal friends and people in the industry, but I think my chapter here is closed. Um, and I'm so grateful for all of the opportunities that I've had, but you know, it's, I'm really just ex excited to just explore the world and travel. I've always wanted to travel mm -hmm. and I'm glad that it's, it's taken this long because before, and I, I think a lot of musicians might relate or creatives that just want to get out, um, is that it takes time mm -hmm. and you have to, I, well, I learned I had to build a foundation firstly mm -hmm. here and you know, my publishers are based in the UK and forming those connections with folks that I've been writing for and connecting with on a, you know, remote basis has made it so much easier for, for me to make the move mm. happen. Mm. Um, I'm not sure when it will happen, but I will say that I'm, you know, putting in the work to make it happen. And yeah, I just think it's time to, to get out there. But you will come back. Uh, no comment. <laughs> no, of course I will. Okay, good. of course yeah, I will. South, South, South Africa's, you know, it's it's. I speak about it now as well as I when when I moved here, I quit music, so I hadn't done music for two years. Oh wow! I moved here to study. Okay, and so I was I was studying like criminology. Um, Very well. <laughs> wild. We're getting <laughs> but I failed that. My parents only found out <laughs> later on. Um, well, after I graduated, switched my majors and did a double major in journalism and sociology and my postgrad in social justice. And I loved that, you know. Mm. And uh, at the time when I quit, I like, literally, I was in Botswana. Life was lifing and I was just extremely depressed. And I was like, I just want to go be an investigative journalist and, you know, be a lecturer or something like that. And I quit music, didn't write, didn't perform nothing for two years. Wow. And obviously I was miserable. Mm. And it took volunteering at music festivals. You know, I think the best band that I played for, but that I worked for, sorry, was Mikasa. They were the nicest mm. folks ever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just being able to work with artists and seeing the behind the scenes of how a festival comes to mm. life and how much work goes into that mm. just made me so inspired and made me want to get back into music. And yeah. I'm glad that I took that, what now we're calling a break, even mm. though at the time I was telling everybody in my life, I quit, I'm not singing ever again. <laughs> and they were like, you crazy. <laughs> um, but, you know, I 
I needed to be recharged and re-energized. And that was the beginning of me finding myself as an artist today. Mm. And I'm grateful for that experience. I do I do advise anybody that goes through, because the music industry, well, I didn't, at the time, didn't experience what the music industry that I'm experiencing now. Mm-hmm. I was just a scared teenage boy that did not know what he was doing with his life. And I was suicidal and depressed. And, you know, I just needed a change of environment. I needed to find my tribe. I needed to find myself. And so one thing that I will always forever say is I owe that to South Africa, mm-hmm. finding myself and finding the people that love me for me and accept me for me and finding my love for music again. Mm-hmm. And even further than that, knowing that I can be way more than a musician has been the biggest blessing. So I owe a lot. I mean, you've you've certainly made an impact on the South African music industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that I can't believe you you played that set and that and, and then you're just going no I'm going to Europe now. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad Bye. I any it though, any yeah. new fans? Yeah, I, I mean I was the, like y'all get to see like, before the Europeans. The, do. the glad and sad <laughs> part of it is like what a spectacular and and what a way to end your chapter in South Africa for now. Yeah, but I mean you you've made a, a very tangible impact on the industry. You have won a Sama. I no, was you were nominated, nominated for a Sama. Nominated, which again is still so surreal. Like mm, that yeah. was my first Sama, and I was just like. Uh, what am I doing here? You know, it's just that <laughs> imposter syndrome <laughs> that is just ridiculous. But I also know that it was so deserved. I worked yeah. so hard yeah, on absolutely. that project, which is, you know, it's fascinating about that project. Just a little bit, a little bit candid um, that I worked on with Greg Abrams, one mm. of my best friends and a phenomenal artist and producer. Mm. I remember it was 2020. It was lockdown and flights were so expensive. And I think we were on like, what did we call them? Levels. Levels. Yeah. Stage. Four, level five. Oh no, stages for load shedding. Yeah, we were on le- level, <laughs> levels was for lockdown. The levels. Yeah. And I remember it was the level where um, flights came back, but they were just so astronomically high. Mm. And so I was like, no, I'm going to take a bus. And the last time I took a bus, I was like 12. So I took my be- uh, one of my friends, Tony, and we took this 22-hour bus drive to Cape Town. <laughs> and... Uh, Greg and I got into studio for three days and initially Candid was supposed to be an album. We wrote eight songs in three days and, you know, spent the last the couple of months of 2021, you know, honing the sound and figuring out what we wanted to do and cut it down to six tracks. And, you know, it just felt like the right body of work to really reintroduce myself, well, not reintroduce myself because I was still doing music, but, you know, it was the first project that I worked on solely with one producer mm. and, you know, wrote the songs and, vocal produced as well and just had you know the it was the quickest also the quickest project i've ever made in my life mm. i'm lying i'm lying um <laughs> i wrote the my last release for i wrote all those songs in one day on new year's day this year oh wow yeah well while, while all you were healing your hangovers i was locked <laughs> in studio <laughs> writing um but again it took that process of candid like i I say this a lot to folks i never used to write as fast as i do now like i write Mm. like 10 songs a day which is a muscle memory that Mm. i've developed but you know before it it just takes practice Mm. and it takes honing that skill and also writing for other artists and being open to criticism and learning and feedback and all of that so i know this was a very long answer to the question that you're still gonna (laughs) ask but shout out to you know the samas for recognizing that body Mm. of work for a best engineered album as well. Like that category yeah. means that they actually took the time to yeah. listen yeah. and heard how much yeah. love and hard work that yeah. we put into that project. Exactly. So grateful. I, I won't talk about the experience because I did not have a pleasant experience, but you know, 
It was what it was. I really want to talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk about it off we, camera. We, we, I, will, we, I, I will just say the trauma was had, um, but you know it was my first award ceremony, so mm. I'm still grateful and honored mm. to have been a part of it. Okay, well we will talk about that <laughs> once the cameras are off. Um, you uh, yeah, you touched on, and it's it's something that's very much becoming a strong recurring theme uh, within this Kaya cast, and it's something that I want to keep talking about and keep going into. Yeah, is the imposter syndrome. Every almost every podcast we've done, yeah, here we and we, ex, you know, overwhelmingly focus on the creative industry and on creatives and and professional creatives. Almost every episode, talk to people and they're like, "Yeah, no, you know, I'm still dealing with the imposter syndrome." Yeah, it's it's a huge imposter syndrome thing. Why, you know, do I belong here? Why yeah. do I deserve to be here? And I mean, you you said it as well, and I think it's so important that we talk about it because for the the young artist who is where you were five years ago or is where you were, you know, when you felt you needed to take that break or, or for whatever reason, it's so important for people to see that, you know, the artists who, yeah, were playing on main stage at Rocking the Daisies and who have been nominated for a SAMA still get imposter syndrome. Yeah. And it's a very real thing. But for me, the value of that conversation is, hey, guys, the guys that you think belong – that you're worried about feeling impostered from feel the same thing. Yeah. And so if you think they belong, but they feel it as well, surely that's a way to, to mentally shift yourself yeah. and go, Oh, it's, it is just, it's just imposter syndrome. It's, it's not a real thing of me not belonging. It's just yeah. something that we all share. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we need to just talk about it and be open about it. And absolutely. the, the question I've been asking people, cause, cause I really like it is, rather than trying to tell yourself how to deal with that or, or your advice or what your experience, what would you tell um, <clears throat> another young artist who's yeah. struggling with self-belief yeah. and struggling to believe that they can make it or they deserve it or they deserve their spot? What would you tell them? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's also onto that. I've been mentoring a couple of young artists for the past year and a half and, you know, teaching them songwriting and performing, which is a huge blessing. And, you know, they're like little siblings to me, so I'm I'm very protective over them. The number one thing that I tell every single person or would tell every single artist is don't compare yourself to anybody. I've struggled with that so many times, and I think specifically in the lockdown as well when, you know, everything stopped. And I had just finished this project that I wanted to release, and then, you know, the whole industry was changing, the dynamics were changing, and streaming was, you know, still becoming a huge thing here. So being... Well, having compared myself to streaming numbers, and I will speak about this in a bit with regards to like Spotify and everything, mm. because, you know, firstly, numbers don't matter. Mm. They really don't because they don't pay us mm. enough. Anyway. <laughs> it doesn't make a difference. Um, <laughs> but we'll speak on that yeah. in a bit. But I, I spent the first couple of months in lockdown looking at other artists that were thriving in the lockdown and comparing my numbers to them or comparing their fan base to, to, to mine. And it put me in a spiral. And I was definitely not treating myself well and not giving myself grace, which I think that we need to be able to do is just know that every single artist, and I say this as well as people, are meant to be here. Every journey is different. Everything that you give out into the world is different. I know that I am, you know, an artist that does whatever. And I can't, you know, the next artist can't do that. I mean, let's talk about like Mike, PH Fat, mm. you know. He is a phenomenal artist in his own. And I was a fan of him before, you know, I became one of his close or became he, he became one of my closest friends. And 
I was inspired by him as a performer. I did not, like, when I was watching him perform, I did not have that confidence mm. to perform like that. And I was like, I want to be like that. You know, I want to mm. have that energy and, and charisma and all of that. And again, it's just doing yourself a disservice because that is his journey mm -hmm. and that is his output into the world. And that is his gift that is not similar to mine. And that doesn't discredit him or discredit me. Mm. It just means that the world is full of dynamic, beautiful people that have mm. so much to offer and so much to learn from. And again, there's so many layers to imposter syndrome. I think the number one thing is also just... Well, I guess for me, my experience in the industry has been quite abusive in the sense where I have had to fight mm. and I'm still fighting mm. to be heard, to, to be valued, um, to be seen as worthy, mm. which unfortunately is just, you know, upsetting. But it's how the game is. And I've learned to accept that. And I've learned to just be the rebel in that. And sometimes, you know, you'll fall down and you'll falter and you'll be like, oh, you know, I've quit multiple times even the day of daisies i was like i'm quitting <laughs> and mike was like shut and up like, no the fuck shut, you're not. no not at all and i was like contractually exactly um but it's just it's the anxieties and you know mm. uh, eartha kitt said it in, in an interview you know in her time when she was alive that you know creatives we are sensitive beings mm. we are so in tune with our emotions compared to most folks mm. and so everything that we do we do it with passion and yeah. we address it with passion and you know because we care and we want this and this is our life and this is what makes us happy this is what makes us this is what makes us feel like we have alive. a right to live and alive you know and that's what it was for me performing makes me feel alive and writing music and you know working with other folks and just it's a confidence thing i will say i did not have when i got back into mu the music industry i did not have any confidence I was broken. I was scared. And thankfully, I had, you know, guidance from really wonderful industry folks. But also I did have many experiences with people that took advantage of me and, you know, only saw the monetary aspect or the social aspect or whatever commodification, you know, was a part of that conversation. Because at the end of the day, this is a business. And I, and you know, I hated being told that. But it's the reality of the situation. But as much as it's a business, you can still have fun and you can still live your best life. And I surround myself with people that keep me grounded and that I can have fun with. And that I know that, you know, this is if I fall down or if I'm in a depressive episode, I can always count on them to lift me up as mm -hmm. I do with them. Mm -hmm. And that is what I think I would tell anybody that struggles with imposter syndrome. It has to leave eventually. You know, mm. I'm hoping that it leaves me <laughs> and rids me of the misery that it mm. brings. But I will say that I'm a lot more confident mm. than I was in, I guess, lockdown or, mm. you know, pre-pandemic. And and as you should be. And I think the way you touched on the the business side of it and, and people, I mean, you know, there's so many beautiful things about the music industry that we yeah. have in this country and we've, there's so many incredible people that we, you know, all know and, and, and love in the industry, but it is a business. And I think a lot of the, you know, it's one of the factors that limits the growth of the local music industry is that people don't treat it enough as a business, especially mm. artists. But then at the same time, you have the guys who are really in the thick of the business who are then being abusive and taking advantage of artists. Yeah. And, and then it scares people away from the business. Absolutely. Um, and it just made me think as I was looking at you hearing that, capitalism doesn't love you oh yeah amen to that and 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 i think 
that's something that people don't understand about creators, professional creators, is that you're in a job that is you putting your heart and soul out to the world, but it's also your job and it's also your business. Yeah. And and without, I, I feel without experiencing that, it's very, very hard for people to understand Absolutely. how that works. And I mean, like I, like I said, I don't wish any of my experiences. I say this to lots of the artists that I mentor. I, I'm, I'm really, my purpose is to make sure that going forward, the industry is safer for them and they don't mm -hmm. have to go through the experiences that I went through. But also number one thing, like what you touched on, on, on the business aspect is something that I also had to really teach myself during the lockdown was just my rights as an artist. Mm. You know, pre-pandemic, I would be in sessions and I'd hear, you know, th these producers or execs would throw around the word master rights or publishing and, you know, they wouldn't break it down for me. So um, I'm getting these contracts or agreements with these big words or words that haven't been explained to me that I'm not very sure of and I'm mm -hmm. young. And so I'm just, you know, thankfully I was smart enough not to sign anything, mm -hmm. but just being in those spaces and having to feel compelled to agree to them you know, that pressure because they, they've been in the industry longer or they know more or whatever you have to agree. That was rubbish. And in the lockdown, I just really looked, I mean, because Google is two steps away. So I was like, let me go do my research. I understood my rights for publishing and mass rights, which is so different. I realized, because I remember and I would be like, oh, so what are we doing for splits for masters? And I'd just be like, I don't know what that is, but 100% Ownership sounds good for me, you know, and so I was, split. I was, I was, I was, I want to split nothing because I wrote all my stuff. I also one of my one of my greatest friends, her name is Shinkuzo. She's an incredible songwriter. Um, she's written for Little Mix and all these big pop artists, and you know, she also has been. Well, she's obviously experienced the industry way more than I have in an international sense. But I remember, I'm not very good at producing. I'm still trying to hone that. But she told me that if you are basically dictating what an instrument should play or what you know the producer should play then you are a producer mm. and you deserve a producing credit and it's that shocked me so much because i realized that that's what i do like when i when i'm in sessions i'm like i sing the melody of what i want the keys to mm. play or the guitar mm. to play or the strings to play and mm. i never really thought that that was like oh that mm. makes you a producer you know and even just knowing that power again for me mm. was like cool i also know that i deserve a producing credit mm. or a percentage of this and blah 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 mm. and when I learned what master rights were, and this was especially helpful when I signed my first publishing deal last year, knowing that I owned the rights to all my songs mm -hmm. means that I earn all the money mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, earn the right to exploit it however I want to. Mm -hmm. And that's a power, mm -hmm. you know, and when I realized that I had that power and just said no one can fuck with me yeah, and no one will, you well, know, while we're at it. Can you give a brief breakdown of publishing and masters for people who are watching this yes. and might not have as, as good an understanding? Okay, so publishing are your royalties, the stuff that you, sorry, English, <laughs> the, <laughs> the amount of uh, money that you make from when your songs are streamed or when they're played on radio or you're, when you perform, for example, if let's give daisies, um, I had a set list and so. Yeah, what's, oh, okay, it's off. <clears throat> Sorry, that's late. no worries. We'll start it again. <laughs> Don't know why, but I downed it, and that is when. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that is when shit just. I don't remember a damn thing after that. I blame Matthew Mole. I'm Matthew Mole, you naughty, naughty boy. We might actually have him on the podcast. Like, you said he's wonderful. Week. He was my the second show I ever played in SA was opening up for him, oh, and really? we've been really good friends since. He's he's such he's such a lovely human. Oh, being. he's wonderful. Like he's wonderful. Yeah, I've, we haven't written together, but you know. In Hopefully time. one day. In time. Yeah. 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 
Also, Leon really Matthew was a willingly such a. It was my first time seeing him live. Um, wonderful kid, wonderful kid. We've been speaking since the beginning of the lockdown. Um, I mean, he's reached out a few times, which yeah. is you know, it's it's because uh, I guess we know the same producers yeah, who's worked yeah. with Billy and David, who yeah. are wonderful, wonderful people. Yeah. Um, and so I got to see Will. I met him a couple weeks ago. Um, very tall boy. I did not. Ex- <laughs> very tall. I did not. Everyone expect always that. goes, "Wow, he's." No, when he walked in, I was like, "I thought you were a baby." <laughs> what? It's the baby face. What? And then on the tall body. On the tall body, and then seeing him perform, I loved, loved it. What a beautiful kid. What a beautiful soul. The charisma. I, and I was saying this to him as well. I when I was twenty one years old, I was not performing like that. Oh no. I did not have the confidence to run all over the stage mm-hmm. and connect with the crowd and. You know, have all those, oh, those little white girls were like, they were head over heels in love with that boy. club behind us in the audience. I didn't even go in the audience because I was like, they're going to fight me. (laughs) I'm not trying to fight with Will's fans. No, no, no. We full on had a group. I was actually, when I see him next, I'm going to tease him about it. There was full on a group of people behind us doing like a, before he came on, like a, what was it? We love you. We love you, Will. We do. Like that kind of like a school chant. That's beautiful. You know, I think think that's beautiful. I mean, the the power of social media and Mm. developing your Mm. fan base, you Mm. know, it's, Mm. he, he, he hacked that and Mm. I'm so happy for him. Yeah. I mean, like, and, and that's the thing is, you know, often your, the issue can be someone can just build a career off good social media marketing, but they don't have the talent and the charisma and the skill set to, to stand up to it. Absolutely. And Will is one of those humans who I absolutely do not begrudge the fact, like, the fact that he built his audience on social media, good for him because when you put him on stage, that was mm. number two for He'll us. Give I you think, a good show. I think the only reason, yeah, I mean, we've seen him perform, so it was. I mean, yours was just this absolute <laughs> what? Um, but Will just had the crowd wrapped around oh, yeah. his little oh, finger. Yeah. It was yeah. like. I had shivers throughout the whole thing. And then I got home and I was showing my mom the video. And I got shivers again. I was like, what is wrong with me? That's him at 21 in the future. Just give him oh like God. five years. Five God, no. five years of performance majority on him. Yeah. Astronomical. Mm. Like, yeah. And and what a talent and what an incredibly nice human being. Mm. We've had him on the podcast. He mm. was one of our fourth. Yes, I've seen, I watched our, that one. Our fourth episode. Yeah. Um, and, and, and just so nice and so down to earth. And yeah. Um, yeah, a lovely human being, as as is Matt, and and I think the fact that we've got a, com- it feels like artists are putting one another on and supporting one another, and and, and Matt for Will has been, you know, yeah, you know, taking him on tour and, um, you know, supporting him and supporting another young local artist is how we how we do it. Is yeah, I mean, the- and what you're saying, I completely <coughs> agree with. Is I've always been a supporter of building community. Mm. There's n- we can't do this alone. Mm. I don't. I think, in all honesty, folks, and I'm not going to name names, but folks in the industry do not like to be honest about the the, the trials and tribulations of it. And that's one one thing about social media that I've never really been a fan of is if, like I'm obviously not going to go and you know have a whole therapy session. I have a therapist for that. <laughs> um, but if I'm not feeling all right about something, I will share that mm. truth. You know because this is not as romanticized as people make it out to be. Mm. It's hard work. Mm. And, you know, you're spending every day trying to show people that you're worth their time and money and Mm. support. And at the same time, it's so psychologically taxing. And when you don't have a sense of community, which 
for me, when I started in the essay industry, I did not have anyone my age that I could speak to. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I, you know, I was, I was in an industry with folks like Matthew Mole and um, um, PH Fat and, and all of these folks that had already, had already built a foundation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I look now at the industry in essay specifically, and there's this wave of, of young artists, and I'm saying young like I'm old. I'm still in my twenties, but I, the industry has aged me in Early a way. That, <laughs> the industry has aged me in a way that, like, I look at them and I'm like, I'm so glad that they have each other, mm. and that they should have each other because this is such. You know, it can be so traumatic, and it can be so wild. And if mm. you don't have somebody to be able to vent to and to connect with, and to just receive counsel from. And who understands. And who understands, you know? Because, again, like I said, I'm not saying this for pity. I'm just like, I just didn't have anyone like that in my in my corner or at, at you know, my age that I could connect with and say, oh, we're going through the same experiences, mm-hmm. you know? And so because of that, I had to build, well, I had to internalize a lot and I had to just deal with things myself, which um, wasn't very pleasant, but it's taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. And like like I said, the fact that I was able to, move forward and learn, you know, the differences between publishing and masters and my, my rights as an artist. And, you know, I was well, prior to that, I was booking my own shows. I mean, you had to, I had to hustle, mm. you know, and I'm grateful for the, for, I guess the experiences for the, for the learning. I'm not mm. grateful for yeah. how taxing it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, you know, if you don't, it, it really is the sad thing about this industry is if you don't have a team or if you don't have someone that can speak, I guess, on behalf of you. Mm. No one takes you seriously. Mm. And it only takes really putting yourself out there. For example, like, you know, the performing that I've been doing over the last couple of years is really kind of like, I guess I've put myself and I forced myself into people's orbits and mm. made them understand that I'm here and I'm not going to stop. You know, even though I'd be quitting every day. <laughs> um, I for, might say I will, you know, but just don't take it seriously. Exactly. But I'm compelled, you know, I'm compelled and I'm glad that, you know, you got, you've got to keep going gotta keep going even though it doesn't seem like something's gonna happen you know mm-hmm. but what i will say is i'm grateful to be in a place where music entirely you know supports me financially like mm. it pays my bills mm. so that's not you know that's <laughs> not something that a lot of artists can mm. say unfortunately mm. and again for me it's because i not only write for myself but i write for other artists and i mentor and you know I just don't like to sit still mm. so I'm able to survive even though that shouldn't be the end goal of yeah. being a creative or yeah. being an artist but yeah that that is the beauty and mm. life of mm. being you know in a space like this yeah amen to that you you t- you've touched on it a few times before and I know it comes through quite a lot in your music as well and it's something that I think <clears throat> we need to be talking about more and more and, and particularly in the creative industry cuz because of the things we've talked about of how personal your work is, is, is the mental health aspect and the yeah. importance of talking about mental health and yeah. bringing it into the mainstream more and more, which I think thankfully it, it, it really is starting to do that. We're starting to talk about mental health yeah. more and more, which, which is fantastic, but it's, it's something that, that so few people deal with. It was just a little while ago. It was world mental health awareness day. Um, mm. And and particularly as as a man and as a as a queer man and and there's so much about mental health and masculinity that that yeah. you know really really damages men and and a lot of it is because of masculinity and the perception thereof and toxic yeah. toxic masculinity. What is your experience of of navigating 
your masculinity and what that means to you along with your mental health and, and the relationship between them being like? Mm, it's very tough. I grew up surrounded by very hyper-masculine men and, you know, um, very, uh, very patriarchal views of mm. masculinity that were, you know, in, I guess, coerced onto me by mm. a lot of my peers, by a lot of adult figures and that contributed to my depression. I got diagnosed with depression when I was 13. Um, and again, at the time, like there, there was the language wasn't there. Mm. The support wasn't there. The understanding wasn't there. So I was surrounded by folks that were like, go, you can pray it away. Mm. Or, you know, <laughs> black people don't get mental illnesses and all of that rubbish. Mm. And that will really fuck with the way that you perceive yourself. And I... I had to do a lot of unlearning because I was a very sensitive kid. If you had met me when I was younger, I was a little crybaby. Um, but I had to develop thick skin, you know, and unfortunately, at some point I did, you know, portray very um, hyper-masculine traits uh, just because I wanted to protect myself from mm. any sort of danger. But when I moved to SA, um, I think it was in my first year of uni, um, I just wasn't coping mentally. And I remember going to the academic head and I was shaking and I could barely get a word out. And she was just like, cool, I'm going to take you. Thankfully, my university had a mental health center mm. and um, she took me to the therapist. And this therapist was a wonderful black woman that changed my life. And, you know, she was the first actual therapist that listened to me and, you know, validated my 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 experiences. And from there, I was like, cool, I like this therapy thing. Um, and I remember one of the reasons I will, that I say it, I want one of the reasons I actually went back into music was to make money to afford therapy because <laughs> therapy is expensive and, and my allowance from my parents was not covering that. So mm -hmm. that honestly was just so super helpful, but it got too expensive to the point where I was just like, cool, you know, got to stop this. But I was still, I, I still, you know, from the tools that I, I learned, I was addressing like, mm. look, I'm depressed. I mean, I'm anxious. I've got PTSD. I've got mm. all of these things. I've got to learn how to, you know, heal better. And um, at the beginning of lockdown, my distributors, Platoon, had given all of the artists, uh, artists free healthcare, hmm. which is so unorthodox mm. for labels or whatever mm. anyone in the music industry to do. And my immune system is fire, so I don't get sick <laughs> a lot. Uh, but I'm mentally ill, so I was like, ah, let's go get therapy. Unfortunately, the immune system doesn't sort that out. Um, and so I remember I just did a lot of research because I really wanted to make sure that the first therapist I go to is going to be you know, a consistent one. I don't want to keep going back and forth mm -hmm. like I was doing in my adolescence. And I found this incredible therapist, uh, Milan. I hope he sees this because he's moved to Australia. Uh, but he changed my life we met last year we had been in therapy for a year and you know also started antidepressants because it just got too debilitating at the time but to have someone that affirmed me and affirmed my masculinity affirmed my queerness affirmed my blackness even though he was white but he was so culturally competent you know that was so shocking for me mm. to have somebody like that in my corner and mm. i love the journeys um to you know taking the train to you know go to therapy and then having the session and having these epiphanies and then going back on the train and reminiscing on the sessions. And again, even another, um, my publishers, Pure Music, who are so beautiful. I remember the day that we got the Salma nomination, I had a breakdown. I remember, I remember my studio team, they took me out for drinks. They were like, yeah, let's celebrate. 
And um, the, my my friend Robin, his mom, this wonderful 80-year-old German woman, <laughs> she bought us all like the champagne and stuff. And she was like, I'm getting you drunk. I was like, you cute. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. Sometimes for me, and I get, I guess a lot of people can relate to this sometimes, one thing you shouldn't do, and I and I, I'm very much a problem with this, is mix you know alcohol with your meds, and I do that sometimes to my own detriment, and I unfortunately did that and had a bit of an episode where I was like, I, f- I think I went on social media, I can't really remember, but I know I went on social media, and I was like, guys, I'm so sad, even though I got this nomination, I'm so sad, and my publisher saw that the morning of, the next morning they sent me an email, they were like, I thought I was in trouble, like, we need to have a call. And we had a Zoom call the next hour. And like, they're just so, so worried. And they're like, what can we do to help you? What resources can we give you? And you know, and they were just like, we want to help you. We love you. We see your talent. We want to make sure that as much as we know that you are working hard, you know, for us, you have the tools and guidance and support you need to make sure that you are good. And I was just (laughs) like, I'm so glad that I'm, you know, with them because Mm. I know that, you know, a lot of my artist friends don't get that Mm. kind of support. Mm. And again, it's just, they're not, I mean, they should be obliged to do that. Industry mm. folks should be obliged mm. to do that, which I guess now the conversation is is changing or the rhetoric yeah. is changing. But I will say that I'm so blessed to have people in my corner that, you know, I don't have to pretend or perform for. Mm. If I'm feeling down and out, I can express that. And they're like, cool, take a day off or take a week off. Mm. And, you know, I'm grateful for that. Even... I mean, we were, I say I was going to speak about this. Um, um, I got into an accident. <laughs> um, what was it last week? Yeah, it was the Sunday. It was like four days, five days before Daisy's. I was riding a bicycle by Seapoint. And mm-hmm. I was like feeling free. And I was like, yeah, I'm in my indie rom-com era. <laughs> and I, I won't lie. I don't remember a thing. All I remember was going. You were riding and then you I worked. was riding. And then I woke up in the ER. And yeah, woke up in the ER, had a seizure. Um uh, fractured my left um arm chipped my two teeth <laughs> so this is fake at the moment because i have to go for a root canal tomorrow um Oof. and yeah that was something um and i'm i'm still i'm speaking about it now like it's very bad like it was yeah. very very bad yeah. i'm speaking about it so callously but yeah. I, yeah. i've compartmentalized the trauma because i was like <laughs> i've got daisies in four days and yeah. like yeah, the daisies the daisy team i told i told them about it and they were like no we we don't think you should do. I was like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no way. No. I'm just going to get bed rest for three days, be on these painkillers yeah. and relax. And, you know, I'm going to do the show that I've been wanting to do for months. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, again, for them to even just be like, you know, they have this huge festival that they're bringing yeah. together and they put in so much money and time and effort for the last two years. Mm-hmm. And they still had the compassion and grace to be like, you know, if you don't want to do it, you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And me being me, because I just, do whatever I want. I'm a Virgo. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm gonna do it. Um, and then afterwards the exhaustion had hit me and the trauma had hit me, but you know, I wouldn't recommend that to anyone. This is what I would say. Don't do what I did. If your body is telling you to relax, relax. <laughs> but I am so glad you didn't listen to your body. <laughs> very selfishly. I'm very glad you didn't listen to your body on. That absolutely. Moment. Absolutely. I mean, it was, it was the only way that I knew I was going to feel better mm. about the situation. It's, it's just, you know, I've just been through so much trauma and near, like near death experiences in my life at my young age of 26 mm. that it's like, I'm so tired of fixating on the trauma or mm. fixating on the sadness and the mm. misery. I'm just trying to approach life differently. And I'm like, look, I just want to live in joy. Mm. Even though my life could be crumbling, mm. I want to live in joy. And 
I want to, because I've stressed too much about things, you know, and that's never achieved anything. So I was like, ah, let me try this new approach, see what happens. Mm. And I think it's working out. I mean, it worked out for the performance. Amen, um, my did. band was also just shitting themselves because they were like, what if he passes out? Because <laughs> I took like six painkillers before the performance and, you know, just because my, my hands were in so much pain, I've got like these bruises and everything. But I was like, fuck it, the show must go on. Amen to that. Um, but like I said, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Not advice. Do don't not try do this that. at home. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, but, you know, again, I'm so grateful and honored and blessed to have people in my life that in the industry that, you know, they could literally just throw me away because they want to make money or find another artist. But I guess they see the potential in mm. me and they see that, you know, this is a lifelong journey that mm. I'm about to be a part of. And they want to, you know, not only be a part of that success, but be a part of that story. Mm. Because one thing I do know was the HBO series that's going to be made about my life is going to be very spicy. Amen to that. You know, got to give them that entertainment. Cheers to that. <laughs> Cheers to that, Gina. Did you? Yeah, I wanted to ask yeah. two things. First of all, who styled you? Because when we were like, before you started your set, and we were a little bit down on the field, I was like, that purple shoulder cape yes. is calling me. <laughs> um, and then the second thing, I just want to know a bit about your band as well, because they were incredible. Absolutely. So Levi's styled oh, me they created wow. and designed the outfit for me angela Veichel, the head of uh, levi's africa it's so crazy because she was running the oasis mm. um campsite the you know pro women pro lgbt yes. camp and i remember hearing about it a couple months ago um and i messaged angela i was like yo if you need any volunteers for uh for the campsite please let me know i'm playing daisies and she was like i'm gonna make you an outfit <laughs> I was like, I wanted to volunteer, but cool. I'm not going to say no to free shit. <laughs> and so I think it was a three-month, two-month process. We had met, made mood boards, Angela Veichel, Amy Zama, William Pala, the folks at uh, Levi's and Joburg. And one thing that I will say that I loved the most about Angela is she could see that I struggle with body dysmorphia. And she was just like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to make you love your body and I'm going to make sure that this is going to be tightly mm. fitted and you're going to, you know, feel sexy and feel suave because I was shitting it. I remember even just like two weeks ago, I was like, and maybe we should like alter. And I know she was saying no because she didn't want to go back to like <laughs> doing the work, but she was just like, bro, shut up. You're going to look phenomenal in it and, you know, blow, blow everyone away. And, you know, the hard work that they put into designing firstly the whole fit is in denim you know mm. and mm. what i love the most i remember the first fitting that i had the pants had the lightning mm. on them and yes. i just started working on my visuals because i did the visuals myself and i, I started <laughs> we'll get into that but i don't know if you caught the like the, the intro set the intro overture that we did um, yes. there was lightning in the visuals yes. and i just started creating those yeah. and then got into the fitting the next day and the lightning was there i was like oh my god incredible how freaking like yeah serendipitous is this and i told it to and she was like oh my god what yeah. the hell and you know and then you put the lightning on the crop top jacket mm -hmm. and yes. you know the, the 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 mesh blouse and the, you know the what are they what did you call the diet diet diamantes i don't know yeah, yeah, diamantes, diamantes. Yeah. i keep forgetting how to pronounce that because she, she kept saying that word she put it all <laughs> on like um the heels and she was just like i want to be because i gave them yeah what i told them was like listen guys i want to be out of my comfort zone mm -hmm. and i want to be super dramatic and so Andrew's like cool gotcha i'm gonna put a cape <laughs> and I was like, oh, I want to feel like a superhero, you know? And so it all came together in like parts and layers. And, um, you know, the end result was way better than I expected. 
And I'm just so grateful for them to, you know, and they also dressed my band. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they were styled in their own way. They didn't want to be as flamboyant as I was. <laughs> it looked so cool. <laughs> just the, like, yeah. But they looked denim. comfortable and they loved yes. their looks. And, you know, my band, uh, my musical directors, John London and Phonics, who played keys and bass, I met them through Instagram um, a year and a half ago mm-hmm. um, after the track with ph fat had dropped phonics had hit me up and he saw it on a playlist and you know what's crazy is and i'm not saying this you know condescendingly but in the message request thing i'm so glad instagram has those message request things because i i do get a lot of messages from like producers <laughs> or like a bunch of folks that are like i want to work or i've got beats for you and i never reply to those because mm-hmm. i used to cause, and it just ended up being a waste of my time yeah. and so i just made this decision i was like i'm just gonna delete <laughs> those requests i'm so sorry to anybody that like i will i you know i might <laughs> um, but <laughs> I saw this message from Phonics and he, it was the same generic. I saw I found your stuff on a playlist and, you know, I'm a producer. And I want to work. And I shit you not. I felt so compelled to say yes. And I accepted it. And he was like, I live in Pretoria. And I was like, ooh, God, that's okay. fine. <laughs> yeah. But again, I feel compelled and went all the way to Pretoria on the How train met up met him john london was in the session and they were friends at the time oh they are friends but they knew each other mm-hmm. and you know this is my first time meeting these two people that i know nothing about and we had this session and, and in four hours we made six songs and we just bonded so well like it, they, it just felt like i was with brothers and you know i eventually found out that they're musicians in their own right and mm. I was like, hey, guys, let's let's start a band. Let's do this. And uh, FD, my drummer, uh, is a friend. of Well, I met them, met him through them. Mm. And, you know, the four of us just came together. I remember our first show was last year opening up from Saki at the Lyric Theater. And that was our first performance ever. And, you know, well, we obviously killed it. But I just really realized in that moment that these are the people that I want to spend the rest of my life performing with. And, mm. you know, one thing like I, I, one thing that I, I will say is the fact that I don't they just get it. You know, it's mm-hmm. just when you meet people that just get it. I mm-hmm. don't have to say I want a core change here or a, a key change here or an accent here. They just know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if even sometimes I guess you'll see me on stage. I just I don't hide it. I just get so surprised because they just do things differently <laughs> than what they do from rehearsals. And I'm just like, oh, I'm a cry right now because <laughs> that was so dope. And, you know, even me, sometimes I just like when I hit certain notes on stage i surprised myself when i surprised them because i'm like oh this range is ranging um <laughs> and i think that's just the beauty of working with them i'm so grateful for them i love them so very much they're so hardworking. they're session musicians in their own right so if you want to book them please book them for performances as well um they are my band and i would be selfish but folks got to make that money mm-hmm. and I, I you know i want them to be able to be as successful as as they deserve to be so, you know, to be able to perform at Daisies with them freaking main stage, I'm still kind of like processing the whole experience because we worked so hard. Mm-hmm. They put in so much love and time and energy into that. And, you know, to be and able to and just did it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy and I really want to tour Europe with them. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, figuring that out on my end because doing it as an independent artist as well is so difficult. But people, let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. If you know people in Europe, <laughs> if you know people in it. Europe, let's create some <laughs> hype. Send it to them so that they know that that Mung is coming to Europe soon. I think on that note, unless there's anything else that you want to throw in, or Jono, if there's anything else that you want to throw in. On that note, because it was a beautiful note, we're going to wrap up this Yay. episode mm-hmm. of the Kaya Cast. 
thank you so much for coming and for sharing and giving of your time and energy to us. It yeah. was such a privilege and, and we're so grateful. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all the people who have watched uh, thus far, those who have listened. Thank you so much for supporting as always and supporting all the beautiful creators and, and, and talent we have in this city. Make sure you like the episode wherever you are listening or watching it. Subscribe wherever you are. Um, share some reels we're going to put out. There are so many banger moments to put out <laughs> as short form. So please share those with your friends. Make sure you go and check out Mungo on Instagram. His Instagram will be linked in the bio below. And uh, I think that's pretty much it. Thank you too so much. Yeah. And have a beautiful day. Bye-bye. Stunning. <coughs> there we go. Amazing. Sorry I talk so much.